impact of COVID-19 on the worldwide cruise industry has been devastating, with 334,000 job losses and $15 billion in lost wages. With thousands of people keen to cruise again and hundreds of New Zealand jobs dependent on cruise tourism, it's important that there's discussion on a pathway towards resumption and the health measures that will support future operations. Welcome to this special episode of Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast, where we share our love for ocean cruising. Before Mike talks to Joel Katz and Kevin O'Sullivan on the future of cruising operations in Australia and New Zealand. Welcome aboard a special edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. This edition is dedicated to our passion for ocean cruising and the future of the cruise industry. When will buoyancy return? Well, I kind of hope so, Mike, because I want to go on a cruise desperately. But shortly, Mike will talk to two leading lights in the cruise industry, including Kevin O'Sullivan, who is the Executive Director of New Zealand Cruise Association, and Joel Katz, the Regional Head of the Cruise Lines International Association. But Mike, you're a cruiser from way back. You've been on so many. When did your love of the cruising sector begin, if you like? It was purely by chance in some ways, Chris, because uh, back in the late 90s, I was 26, 27. I wanted to get to the UK to do my big OE. And before I left New Zealand and left radio, um, I actually thought an easy way to see a fair chunk of the world would be to score a job on a cruise ship. So while I was still in Wellington working for ZB, I wrote away to various cruise lines just as a bit of a flight of fancy saying, I work in radio in New Zealand. I'm coming to Europe. Um, I don't know if you've got any jobs going on your ships that may be applicable, but if there is, let me know. And lo and behold, at two o'clock in the morning, I got this call from this fearsome-sounding Greek woman who said, would you like to come and work on my ship? And she was the head of Royal Olympic Cruises, which is headquartered out of Athens. And to cut a long story short, I ended up being a DJ in the Taverna nightclub of TSS Stellis Solaris, the flagship of Royal Olympic Cruise Lines. So that's where the love affair began, Chris. I thought you were going to say you ended up being a diva. Diva? How rude. How provocatively rude. I was also a cruise host, so I had to be, you know, host with the most. I had to greet the passengers, had to have a chat to them, had to help them out on shore excursions, but I got a really good sort of inside look into everything about the cruise industry and how it ticks, and um, I, I, I really found it quite infectious. Is that the best word to be using at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not. Seductive, shall we say. Instantly seductive. Um, but I certainly managed to, yeah, check out quite a bit of the world uh, while working on this ship. Tell me, tell me about some of the, the sailing. and Where did you go? What did you enjoy the most? What places? Once again, I was very lucky, actually, because I was joining... Uh, the Royal Olympic Cruise Lines uh, ship Stella Solaris midway through their winter um, circuit. So in the northern winter, they would uh, headquarter their ships out of Miami um, and Fort Lauderdale in Florida um, and do essentially Caribbean and South American cruises through the winter months of the northern hemisphere before going back to Europe to do the Mediterranean over the, the summer period. So I for three months, I um, was sailing around a whole swag of Caribbean islands and, and nations um, and then crossed the Atlantic. Incredibly, I just thought, little quirk of fate here, 
we left to sail across the Atlantic on exactly the same day the Titanic left to sail across the Atlantic in April. So we made it. Um, and, and then I did six months um, in the Mediterranean. And then I started to get a bit of cabin fever thinking I need to go to the UK. And like most Kiwis there, I ended up pouring pints in London pubs. Is the Royal Olympic cruise, is that still operating? Because wasn't that knocked out by 9-11? Because there was some cruises that just never made it back. Well, I thought I'd mention, yes, uh, the, the tragedy of um, economic crashes and what damage it can do, um, you know, to glorious companies like Royal Olympic Cruises. There's probably some parallels between 9-11 and uh, the COVID pandemic we're currently living through in terms of the, the damage, the collateral damage. Um, yeah, it was a real shame because Royal Olympic Cruises, Greek-based cruise line, uh, they were very dependent on the American market for their cruises, particularly in the Mediterranean, although also in the Caribbean over the Northern Hemisphere winter. And when 9-11 struck, of course, the Americans just did not want to travel. The world was a very dangerous place suddenly, so they stayed at home. And Royal Olympic Cruises, who had had this very proud history, decades and decades, as this beautiful Greek cruise ship company, um, they had ordered up a whole lot of new mega ships, like the ones we now see, you know, these huge 5,000 passenger uh, capacity ships. So that ordered all these massive new ships um, to be constructed. Um, passengers weren't traveling. People weren't coming to sail on their ships, and they went bust. So, yeah, really sad that um, they're no longer around. Had nothing to do with me, I want to point out, Chris. Nothing to do with you DJing. No, no, no. No, actually, the funniest thing, I shouldn't really say this, but I will, because I'm a very sharing person. I had a very cruisy job in, in the Taverna, because generally, when I was doing the, the, the Caribbean circuit particularly, the average age of the passenger on the Royal Olympic Cruise Lines uh, ships was about 70, 75. So I would open up my nightclub at 10.30 at night, and... Um, we were generally closed by quarter past 11, <laughs> so it made for a very easy day. But I did spend the daylight hours, you know, hosting shore excursions and making sure passengers were okay. So I wasn't completely just a glorified tourist. What was probably your best experience when you were working in this sector? Ooh, so many, so many standouts. Um, I absolutely became enthralled with all things Mayan, you know, ancient Mayan culture and all of their wonderful ruins across the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico and across Central America and places like Guatemala. Just magnificent ancient stone monuments virtually to rival the Egyptians when it comes to their their symmetry and um, perfection and architecture. They've got this magnificent pyramid called Ch uh, at Chichen Itza, which has this stone serpent carved into the side of the pyramid. And it's all been magnificently astronomically aligned. So at a certain time of the year, uh, based on the angle of the sun, this serpent, this stone serpent, looks like it's actually slithering down the side of this pyramid, the way it was constructed. Really cool stuff like that. I became obsessed by all things mine. Um, the Panama Canal, sailing through the Panama Canal was just absolutely fascinating for all of the history and the engineering prowess there. I think my biggest National Geographic 
unplugged experience, Chris, would have been um, going to the Amazon River. So on a couple of our cruises during the Caribbean sector, we would uh, dock in a place called Manaus, which was about a thousand k up the Amazon River, and then we could do like lots of different shore excursions um, throughout the Amazon region, and it was truly wild. Um, some of the uh, colleagues on the ship and I, we would often just um, get like a local guide, jump on a canoe and just make our way through these little tributaries in the Amazon River. Really wild Amazonian kids would, uh, they weren't dumb. They knew tourists. They could spot them a mile away and they would make a beeline for us. And like one little kid, he was probably about 10 years old. He thought it would be a great idea to throw his pet alligator into my lap so experiences like that are pretty hard to beat they are tell me something when i think of the cruise sector i often think of the mediterranean or the brochures or the glossy brochures because that's what i think of frankly you've done it all you've been around that that part of uh the globe right yeah the mediterranean absolutely stands out as the best place in the world to cruise in my opinion chris because You've got so much history, so much beauty, fabulous culture, unbelievable food. Um, you just fall in love with the place. And I also became first enamoured while on that cruise ship with, uh, with our history with Gallipoli Peninsula because when I was doing the Mediterranean um, cruises in the European summer, we would sail from Athens to Istanbul each week. And, of course, to get to Istanbul, you'd have to go through the Dardanelles Straits, and you could see Gallipoli Peninsula just off to the left as we sailed towards Istanbul. And, an, and a Greek mate of mine said, see that monument up there? That's your monument. That's the New Zealand monument. And terrible as it is to admit, before I'd got on board the cruise ship, I didn't really appreciate much about the layout and geography and and sheer immensity of history at Gallipoli. So it really opened my eyes to that. And, of course, I've been back there quite a few times since. But yeah, the Mediterranean, I just think, is a source of constant wonder. So over the course of your travel media career, Mike, say the past decade or so, decade, how many cruises do you reckon you've clocked up? Oh, I was trying to uh, tabulate it for you, Chris. I think it's probably somewhere between 25 and 35 cruises um, in my travel media job. Um, mega ships, small ships, mid-sized ships, I think they're all um, distinctive in their own right. And I think this is what I love about cruising is that there is a ship for everyone. You know, no matter what your taste is, no matter what your budget is, no matter what your interests are, there is a ship with your name on it. And there's obviously been a lot of coverage in recent years about how a lot of cruise lines seem to be aping theme parks when it comes to the thrills and spills and titillations they're rolling out on board their ships. Now, that's not for everyone. Some people want a more traditional cruise experience with silver service and formal dining and, you know, um, the evening show and not this sort of theme park nonsense that seems to be so trendy at the moment. Honestly, the industry caters for all tastes and budgets, and that's what I think uh, I find fi so fascinating about it. It's constantly innovating. Some people love the bling. I'm sure you would love all that bling, Chris, all the bells and whistles. That would be you, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I like the way you said there is a ship for everybody because that seems so true over the course of the past year that we've been doing this show and, and you've discussed different ships and boats to go on. 
I mean, without sounding like a cliche, they do come in all shapes and sizes and they are available for nearly every market in the world, no matter what budget you want, right? Absolutely. The other really strong attribute that I think is quite unique to ocean cruising is take the Mediterranean or the Caribbean as an example. It is such a great way to do window shopping in a region. So, you know, let's suppose you've never been to Europe before. You get on a cruise ship in Barcelona or Marseille or Rome or Athens to go and have a look at the region, and you don't really know what places may interest you, what places may not. Um, It is such a wonderful way with all of those port calls to get a flavor for a place, and you may well decide a certain destination is so worth a deeper dive on a future trip. So that's what I love about ocean cruising. Give us some of the examples of what really rang true for you. Um, Scandinavia and the Baltics, a bit like the Mediterranean, you've got a string of countries, which from a New Zealand point of view, you know, pretty hard to get to. So let's say you start um, from Northern Europe or say from Oslo and Norway, you'll go from Norway to Denmark, uh, to Sweden, to Finland. A lot of those cruises will also uh, add in the likes of Estonia, uh, Russia as well. And you just sort of hopscotch your way around a region in such a stress-free way. You've only unpacked once and that's all you're going to have to do on that ship. Um, And I also think in destinations that perhaps are a wee bit edgy, a wee bit dangerous, you've got the comfort blanket of that cruise line behind you. It's sort of like a cone of protection. A really good example of that, Chris, is Egypt and Israel. Um, I know that before COVID, there was growing popularity of the cruise um, schedules that would go like from the eastern Mediterranean, maybe say from Athens or Istanbul, across to the Holy Land in Egypt. So you could just dip into Cairo for the day and um, like dock in Ashdod and go to Tel Aviv and Jerusalem for the day, knock off the the famous sites, get back on the ship, get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know, no harm done, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's quite unique to cruise ships as well. Favourite cruise destinations? Oh, GNC, specifically Greece and Turkey, my standout. Um, I've always loved Italy, but for some reason I actually enjoy exploring Italy by land more than cruise ship. I don't know what that is about Italy, but I just like sort of digging into its hinterland. Um, uh, Asian cruises. I haven't done a huge amount of Asian cruises, but they are absolutely spiking in interest. So a lot of uh, cruise ships are porting um, out of uh, Singapore and Hong Kong, sort of, you know, making that their base um, for East Asian cruises. Uh, So that's something to certainly keep an eye on heading into 2021. And I think another uh, absolute standout experience of my lifetime, Chris, when it comes to ocean cruising would have to be Alaska. Um, it's got perennial pulling power of those Alaska cruises. Sailing the waters of places like Glacier Bay National Park is a singular spectacle to behold. Yes, because expedition-focused cruises are really big on people's bucket list, aren't they? They are, and cruising to Antarctica um, remains uncharted waters for me. I'd love to do it sometime. Probably the biggest uh, bucket lister for me. Uh, But whether you do it from Bluff or from the bottom of South America, everyone I know who has undertaken that cruise just waxes lyrical about it. You'd be into it, Chris, wouldn't you? You'd be off to see the penguins. 
Yeah, I'd love. I would love to do that. That is definitely a bucket list of mine. Now, Mike, closer to home. What about some of the cruising options in our own backyard? Because there are plenty of them. Plenty of them. That's right. South Pacific cruises in our winter hold huge appeal. So you can string together the likes of New Caledonia and Fiji and the Cook Islands, uh, Tonga, you name it. Um, so that's a great way to um, see uh, our wider neighbourhood, uh, once again, from the comfort of the ship uh, with a few shore excursions. Seeing New Zealand by a cruise ship, I think, is totally underrated. You'll get some fabulously fresh perspectives on your own country. Uh, for example, sailing through the Hauraki Gulf and past Devonport as the early morning sun gilds the Auckland skyline. That is truly an exceptional sight. Uh, sailing into Tauranga, right past the Mount, another extraordinary spectacle. And similarly, um, I adore sailing out of Dunedin Harbour, right past Tyro Head and the Albatross Colony. And you can see the chicks you know, on the on the hillside, just these big balls of fluff as your megaliner sails out of the heads into the ocean. So um, there are some incredible things to do in New Zealand by cruise ship. And I would also say Fiordland, probably the easiest way to see huge tracks of Fiordland, which you can't get to by road, is by cruise ship. Dusky Sound uh, is on most New Zealand cruise schedules. So the sooner they're back in action, the better, Chris. Are you confident, Mike, the big cruise ships will soon be plying our waters again? What do you reckon? What's the forecast? I certainly hope so. Localised cruising, uh, you know, whether it's New Zealand or New Zealand South Pacific, New Zealand Australia, that is likely to be the first step for Kiwis looking for a cruise. But as we will discuss with the industry next, the cruise lines have been responsive to the legacy of COVID, there's an enormous amount of work that's gone into how do we accentuate health and hygiene and reassurance uh, for passengers. So that really is um, one of the challenges ahead to get people back cruising. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, special podcast edition dedicated to our love affair with cruising and the future of cruise. Joining us are two seasoned pros from the cruise industry, from Sydney, Joel Katz, who is the Australasia Managing Director of the Cruise Lines International Association. Welcome aboard, Joel. Hi, nice to be here. And in Auckland, Kevin O'Sullivan, Chief Executive of the New Zealand Cruise Association. Thank you for your time, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Of course, it's been nearly nine months since COVID brought the cruise world to a shuddering halt. Joel, how uncertain do you think the short-term outlook is with 2021 on the horizon? Look, we're, we're working with uh, governments and, uh, and, and authorities to develop a pathway towards resumption. We're already starting to see some resumption in, in Europe, in uh, parts of Asia, and even parts of the South Pacific. So while, uh, you know, as you, as you say, um, there is still some uncertainty about exactly when cruise will restart in this part of the world, we're confident that we will get to that point. Are you feeling envious, Kevin, that some parts of the world have recommenced operations, yet we seem to be in dry dock? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in most days, we'd read about what's happening in Europe, which, of course, uh, Europe's got more of a problem than we have. Yet despite that, we see cruises uh, sailing every day and very successfully <clears throat> without incident as well. What about Australasia, Joel? Uh, what are you hearing from 
government authorities and in, in the wider industry as to uh, the the short term outlook. Look, I think the uh, the success both here in Australia and New Zealand in, in stemming community transmission of, of COVID really sets us up well for a for a cruise resumption. But uh, you know, health authorities uh, by their nature are, are risk averse, so we're working through a process with them now to provide them with the reassurance that the the work that the industry is doing globally um, to develop protocols. The protocols that uh, are uh, already in operation on board those uh, vessels that have already restarted um, can be implemented in this part of the world, where, as I say, we, we don't have community transmission, so uh, we can we can you know effectively bring ships into the the safety of our of our bubbles while our international borders remain closed, and operate local cruises for locals, giving giving people the opportunity to travel around their own countries, both here in Australia and in and in New Zealand. And uh, you know, deliver economic impact, create jobs, and uh, allow the industry f- uh, to to restart in a in a, in a phased, uh, measured way. Kevin, in terms of the local situation in New Zealand, I'm aware that Heritage Expedition seems to have got um, its plans across the line uh, for some for some sailings this summer. Are they the only exception, or are there some other glimmers of hope? No, there is uh, there is another company, Penant has also put an application in for an exemption, and uh, that's that's looking very promising as well too. And I think uh, Joel hit the nail on the head. It's um, it's local cruises for local people. So in New Zealand, of course, as we're all well aware, we can travel around, we can go by, by coach, we can fly, uh, we can drive, um, <clears throat> and we believe that we should be able to cruise around in the same way, uh, bringing New Zealanders around our own country. It's a relatively straightforward concept that I think should be welcomed. I think it's been really interesting to observe in recent years that, you know, Kiwis and Aussies have actually loved exploring um, their own part of the world by cruise. Um, I just think of my own time uh, a couple of years ago, you know, sailing out of uh, Dunedin Harbour past Tyre Row ahead. You get some incredibly unique perspectives of your own country uh, by cruise, don't you, Kevin? But New Zealanders are great cruisers. I mean, we we, uh, we love to travel and we love to cruise. Uh, more than 100,000 New Zealanders in the past year have had been cruising. And um, around about 10% or so uh, like to, cru- to cruise around New Zealand. It's such a great way to see the country. And um, because we are unable to travel too far afield now, then we believe it makes really good sense to travel around our own country using cruise ships. Yeah. Is that the same sort of mood in Australia, Joel? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, this part of the world has the highest market penetration for cruise in the world. So out of any established cruise markets, more more Australians cruise than, than anywhere else. And I think that that um, illustrates the passion that, that both Australians and New Zealanders have for, for cruising. Um, and it's really interesting. We've been doing some consumer sentiment surveys recently, and uh, the majority of uh, past passengers who um, you know who love cruising have indicated that they that they're ready to cruise again and that they have the confidence that the that the industry will do what it needs to do to make sure that they can do that in a in a, in a safe way what do you think is the most likely scenario to unfold particularly in Australia uh, given the size of your market when it comes to cruise passengers um, with respect to the difficulties of you know uh, getting foreign based crew um, across the across the red tape um, to service those ships in Australian waters. Um, how confident are you it is going to happen? 
And this is absolutely um, a, a key issue. Um, and it's not only a cruise um, issue, it's a, it's a general commercial shipping issue. Um, there are there are problems in, in Australia, uh, New Zealand, and, and in fact, all around the world at the moment, still still getting crew uh, to be able to to enter countries. Um, but we're working with the with the authorities, um, looking at what what level of um, of testing, um, isolation, quarantine is required to be able to bring um, the, the the crew in, both initially with the ship to bring them into the safe um, local bubbles. Um, and then, uh, you know, for ongoing crew movement, um, to, to give the, to give everyone the confidence that it can be done safely, that the crew can come in and, uh, the, the ships can then, as Kevin said, operate locally, offering local cruises without any, any harm coming to the country. You're with Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Mike Adley, and we are discussing the future of cruise with Kevin O'Sullivan and Joel Katz. Um, earlier, Joel, you mentioned, uh, how, uh, across many parts of the world, cruise operations have recommenced uh, in the likes of Europe and Asia and so forth. Um, in terms of consumer perceptions and perhaps some of the challenges the industry has had to wrestle with, I get the impression just based on what you said earlier that there aren't any major roadblocks on the consumer perception front. Those that love cruising are going to be back into it big time. Would that be fair? Yes, I, I, and I think the, the the majority of of past passengers who've who've cruised before, they they understand that the the the, the you know the the regulations and the, and the care that the cruise lines take in making sure that their that their guests are are, are safe and happy, um, are, are ready to to come back when the time is right. Um, absolutely acknowledge that uh, there, there's always going to be a, a a proportion of people who you know whose confidence has been dented. And the industry will be working hard to to restore that confidence, and then and then of course there are those that who haven't cruised before, who um, for whatever reason um, haven't cruised. We'll need to work. We'll need to, to work hard to 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 ensure that we can give those people the confidence that uh, cruising is is safe and and uh, an amazing experience. Kevin, in the initial months following the COVID outbreak, I recall a number of travel agents said to me that they felt going forward river cruising may be an easier sell than ocean cruising just, you know, based on the smaller size of, of a river cruise uh, vessel. Um, has that perception held in New Zealand or are you like Joel? Are you feeling very upbeat about um, uh, consumer perceptions? I'm, I'm extremely upbeat about um, the willingness of people to go cruising. And I did hear that myself um, and I guess – very much in the early stages when uh, travel agents were probably trying to sell uh, the concept of river cruising in um, in Europe, uh, but of course uh, the uh, what we have in around New Zealand is and Australia is ocean cruising as well too, and consumer perception of that the would be travellers are very keen. Uh, all the blog sites are full of people who just can't wait to go cruising again. And I must admit, I feel like that myself um, many, many days. <laughs> um, are we seeing any changes, Joel, to the onboard experience amongst cruise operators who are back in action? Are there any evolutions taking, you know, cue from the COVID era that we've been enduring? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, it, no different to what we're seeing in, in, in our day-to-day -day lives ashore. We'll be seeing very similar things happening on board on board cruise ships, and we already are seeing on those that have restarted. So, all aspects of the of the cruise journey, as we say, from door to door, is is really um, being reviewed. 
Um, so that that you know starts off from the time the 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 guest makes the booking, the communication with the guest, then uh, a very robust testing and screening um, protocol. So uh, as an industry, we've committed to a hundred percent testing of all passengers and crew. So a passenger will need to produce a negative uh, COVID test in order to embark on a, a clear cruise uh, ship. Um, then on board, the, again, those things that we're getting used to, wearing masks when you can't social distance, social distancing, capacity constraints in venues to make sure that um, social distancing can be, can be uh, ob- observed, looking at the ventilation systems to, to increase fresh air, um, shore excursions, obviously making sure that whatever's happening on the ship is then duplicated in a shoreside environment, both to protect the, the community that the ship's vis- visiting, but also making sure that if, if there was a, a, a positive case ashore, that it's not going to be brought back on board the ship. And then finally, um, because you know there are no guarantees in this world, um, making sure that the appropriate risk mitigation, medical processes are really enhanced to be able to adequately um, deal with those um, kinds of situations in such a way that doesn't put any additional burden on the on the on the health system. I don't want to sound egregiously risk averse, Kevin, but I've always been a bit iffy about the self serve buffet. You know, when it comes to what I'm out, what, what other added extras I'm going to pick up, um, is that something that some cruise passengers are going to be hesitant to use? Do you think? Yeah, I think that it's fair to say they are moving away from the self serve buffet. The buffets will still be there in some form, but they'll be served on board uh, by crew rather than um, having the passengers serving themselves. But I'm a great believer in buffets. Um, That's why I got to the size I am today, I guess. Temptation galore, absolutely. Um, What about uh, fleet sizes around the world? I mean, obviously there's been a massive boom in the last decade or two, not just in the number of vessels but the size of them. Going forward, are are there going to be, you know, those sort of huge orders for more and more mega ships or is that being rationalised somewhat, Joel? Look, I think what we'll see is we'll see a, a uh, uh, let's say, a pause in the in, in the growth. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of ships on order already, and most of the cruise lines have undertaken to continue with those orders. But very much um, what we're going to see is is, is about, as, as I used be, said before, a phased, measured restart. So I think everybody's been very realistic that, you know, for the next year, 18 months, and a lot will depend on what happens with vaccines, um, that it's not going to be business as usual. We're not going to see the same number of ships um, out there, um, it will it will be very much um, a phased restart, and that gradually, as as uh, you know, health conditions permit and and uh, circumstances dictate, the 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 cruise the cruise lines will will gradually get their their inventory back into service. Kevin, what advice would you give the thousands and thousands of tourist operators, for example, in New Zealand, who have had a wonderful time? Um, working in with the cruise industry. You know, I think of places like Tauranga that have just boomed on the back of cruise in recent years. Um, what advice, what hope do you give them that we will see a return uh, in due course? Well, Mike, many of them are members of New Zealand Cruise Association uh, and they have um, they've worked to continue, obviously, in their businesses and um, many have been successful and... Um, Many have been less successful, unfortunately. Um, We're wanting to make sure that they continue in business so that when cruise resumes, uh, we have have an industry. We have a cruise industry that the cruise ships can come to. I think that's a very important consideration. At the back of the minds of the people 
who have been in the cruise industry throughout New Zealand, they must make sure that they have the resilience to be able to, to start again. Uh, and I think we continue to give them hope, but we're giving them hope initially with the, the smaller scale cruising around um, New Zealand concept that we're seeing. But there's also um, a move over wintertime for sailings out of Auckland to go to the islands as well too. So as well as around New Zealand, uh, there's quite a strong move and an interest um, to go to various island nations as well out of Auckland during wintertime. So um, we will pick up. It's just going to take um, probably a little bit longer than what we'd originally expected, but it will happen. It will happen eventually. Joel, just finally, um, with respect to you talking about this phased restart, from a cruise passenger's point of view, do you think I should expect to see crazy deals to lure me back? Look, I, I don't know that you'll necessarily see crazy deals. I think, um, you know, uh, cruising always represents great value for money. Um, you know, most, most of what you, what you need when you're on the ship is, is included. Um, you only unpack once. People appreciate the value of a, of a cruise holiday. Um, so I, I think, you know, you, there'll be the, the usual um, deals out in the market as, as, uh, as we move forward. But uh, I, I think very much uh, about getting the, the right value for money for the right product on the right ship. Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you very much for your time. It's been wonderful to have you aboard. And uh, I trust we'll be sailing away uh, before we know it. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.